Welcome home, church. Good morning. Good to see all of you here this morning. Um, I'm sure, as you can see in the video, that um, home is where a place where you are cherished and loved unconditionally. Now, I'm sure there are some people here that have something very similar to the video as they welcome home. I'm sure there's a lot of people here that have something completely opposite. Um, typical day around our house is uh, I get home first, usually, and there are two dogs there welcoming me. Daisy is the Doberman, and Bella is a little Chihuahua, and they, do, they are best friends. Um, it's nice to come home to somebody who actually needs you, even though they need to be let outside. It's still nice to have somebody that needs you. Um, then Gavin gets home, and I usually get to talk to his, about his day a little bit. Um, if we don't have dinner figured out, we get to figure that out. And then Sarah gets home, and we, call, we have what we call hashtag just us time. But we, I sometimes speed it up and call it hashtag justice time, just to make it a little bit more fun. And then, we, uh, then Stephanie gets home, and then everybody's home for the night, and then family time begins. We finish up doing dinner, we sit down, set the table, um, thank God for our food, and then my favorite part is uh, Gavin asks us how our day was. And he usually asks us kind of something like, so how's everybody's day? Just like that, and then we go around to each and we talk about our day. And then the ladies ask him how his day was, and that's kind of when I sit back and soak it all in and just be grateful and humbled by that I get to live an awesome life with this family. Because at one point, I didn't think I would ever have a family like that. So I'm sure there's a lot of people here that at one time didn't want to go home or didn't like going home. So I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter 15 today. If you all want to turn and follow me in your Bibles. I'll be uh, explaining about a parable of the lost son or parable of the lost or prodigal son. Um, Jesus taught in parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, he would teach these parables so that the people who understood God's kingdom would fully understand it. And for the people who didn't understand God's kingdom, they would get a start of it. So they would kind of start to know what it was. And we're going to be starting in verse 11 of chapter 15. To illustrate, illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So... In first century, they, the inheritance was divvied up. If they had two sons, the older son would get the two-thirds of it, and the younger son would get a third of whatever inheritance was. We find that out in Deuteronomy 21.17. says, He must recognize the rights of his oldest son, the son of the wife he does not love, by giving him a double portion. He is the first son of his father's virility, and the rights of the firstborn belong to him. So that was usually talked about until after the father had died. So this parable starts off kind of strange and not normal. This younger son was basically telling his dad, drop dead, I don't need you, give me what I want, and I'm out of here. Then he goes to a distant land, which means he was far away from his family. Funny story about inheritance. Um, my father, I have an older brother, he's two years older than me. Uh, my father has always been open and honest about what we get for our inheritance, and I feel comfortable enough talking in front of my church family here to tell you guys. My dad's going to split it 50-50. My brother gets 50% of the bills, and I get the other 50%. So it's a little bit different from first century, but we have to modernize, right? Um, the father in this story is symbolic of God, our father. And we're going to see it a little bit more clearly later on in the, in the story. It is bad 
and the beginning of worse when we look upon God's gifts as debts due to us. Now, this young man wasted and squandered what his father had given him, and he had to find a job. Now, Jews don't look good upon pigs. They think they're unclean, and they just don't think that they're good at all. They despise them so much that they don't even have a name for them. It's, they call them Daver Acher, which means another thing. So they don't even have a name for them. They just despise them so much. Now, this young man finds himself in the pig pen without anything to eat, even the pods that the pigs were eating on. Now, as you can see in the slide up there, there's uh, most likely the carob tree, and the pods are on the right. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think I could season that enough to make my family eat that. And you could even deep fry it, and I probably wouldn't eat it, and that's saying something. Now, this young man was proud and very arrogant. Now, I'm sure there's nobody in this auditorium that's been proud of themselves or arrogant at one time, right? You can't, can't relate to that, I'm sorry. Sometimes we get content in this lifetime to receive the good things and covet only present gratification, but have no care for eternal happiness. Sometimes we get so worked up and, and concentrated on what's happening now that we forget that we have the gift of eternal life with Jesus. And we cannot forget that. Let's read on, in, starting in verse uh, 15, or sorry, 17 to 24. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he was found. And so the party began. And it says in verse 17 that when he finally came to his senses. Now, I wonder if it was the pigs, him sitting with all the pigs, eating those pods, and him not having anything to eat made him come to his senses. But the more I studied and read this parable, if he hadn't been raised the way that he was up until the point where he didn't want his father, he may not have ever come to his senses. Because if you were raised a certain way, then you would know. And God opened his eyes and made him realize that is not the life that he's meant to lead. He's not supposed to be in a pig pen, not eating. I have a great quote from author Barbara Scher that fits in. It says, when you start using senses you've neglected, your reward is to see the world with completely fresh eyes. Now, God opened his eyes so he could see that he was not meant to live that life. Now, we just wrapped up a series of lessons over at the teen house on heaven and hell. And Adam and Eve were told not to eat from the tree of life in Genesis, but they did it anyway. Man wanted something, and God graciously says yes, even though we're probably going to mess it up most of the time. That's how much he loves us. Now, the English language has only one word for love, but means multiple things, like I love my wife and I love bacon, two totally different kinds of love. In Greek, there are four words, and they mean different things. Uh, we start with phileo, which is brotherly love or companion love. It's a love that responds to kindness and appreciation and involves giving as well as receiving and is called out of one's heart by qualities in another. And this is what Jesus used in the reinstatement of Peter in John 21. And then we have agape, which is probably what everybody's most familiar with. It's used over 300 times in the New Testament. 
And it's called out of one's heart by the preciousness of the object love. It's a love of esteem and evaluation. It's the noblest word for love in all of the Greek language. It's not kindled by the merit or worth of its object, but it originates in its own God-given nature. God is love. This love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, and unlovable. It's unconditional love. And then we have storge, which is a natural affection or natural obligation, a natural movement for the soul for a husband, wife, or child. Now, it's a quiet, abiding feeling within a person that rests on something close to them and they feel good about it. And then, of course, we have eros, which is erotic love, the love of passion from a, a natural involvement of body chemistry. Now, some of us know that in order to get all four of these things together, that marriage brings all four of those together. But we see here that the Father's love is unconditional, agape, just like God's love for us. You know, the Son has his apology ready and rehearsed, and I'm, I can relate to this because whenever I have something to talk to somebody about, I rehearse it probably 15 times just to go through everything that every possible way that a situation could come at me. If they say this, oh, I'll have this ready, I'll have this. It's kind of uh, tiring at sometimes. But I can just see this young man practicing this speech over and over again on his way back to his father's house. He says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Now, I have struggled with many things in my life, and being not feeling worthy is one of them. You know, sometimes the devil whispers in my ear day in and day out that I'm not a worthy youth minister, I'm not a worthy husband, I'm not a worthy son, I'm not a worthy uncle sometimes. You know, and sometimes when you hear that day in and day out, you start to believe him. But then you come to your senses and say, wait a second, God made me to worship him and not you, devil. You need to get behind me. So it's sometimes it's hard to see light when you're surrounded by darkness. But this story is not only about the love of a father and a son, but of the grace that is given to us freely when we repent of our sinful nature and accept Jesus into our lives. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. And the same God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it loves each and every one of his children. Now, don't think you're nothing and he can't do anything with you. He made Adam out of dust and Eve out of a rib. There's nothing God can't do. He made something out of nothing. Now, I don't fully understand God's grace, but I do know this. It meets us where we are, and it doesn't leave us where it found us. It states in verse 20 that the father was filled with love and compassion, and he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. What an awesome picture that would have been. This, this son walking home, probably dirty and filthy from pig stuff all over himself, and he has, he's been emaciated because he's not been eating, and those paws probably aren't very nutritious. And then, yet this, this father recognizes him from a long way off, and he runs to him and embraces him. Now, he could have been sitting on, I don't know if they had porches back then, but I can see him sitting on a porch and just waiting back there like, oh, I told you so. I saw that finger shake at me in my teenage years quite a bit, so I know what that means. But instead, he ran to him to embrace him. And after he had done everything wrong up to, to that point, and then he, the son gives him his uh, uh, rehearsed speech, and then right after that, his father just turns to the servant and says, quick, get him the finest robe, a nice fat ring for his, for, his, for his finger, and get new sandals for him. Now, they've been fattening up a calf for a special occasion, and this is quite the special occasion. Now, what a welcome home that would be. Now, these things are symbols of position. The robe is of distinction. The ring is of power, of power and authority. And the sandals at that time, if you were a slave, you did not wear sandals at all, so you went barefoot. So that means he's just not a slave anymore. And the fattened calf, of course, was for a special occasion. His father 
who represent our God, our Father, running to the Son, us, and embracing us and kissing us after we have done all things wrong up to that point is very comforting to me. But grace is not an excuse to sin, but rather a reason to love and serve God more fully. And grace also means that all of your mistakes now serve a purpose instead of serving shame. I've come up with an acronym to help us remember grace this week. To give yourself, release the love from within, ask nothing in return, compassion shows love, and enjoy your salvation. As we go out this week, I hope you all can remember this. Because if you put grace and God first, then you will be the light that Jesus wants us to be. But hold on. Jesus tells us there are two sons. Let's see what this other son thinks about this party that's going on. We'll be starting in verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he was found. Now, he, he, the, younger, the older son says that you haven't even killed one young goat. That's like the step down from the fattened calf. He's like I'm saying, I, I don't even get the, the cheap knockoff brand from you. And then the, he's so mad that he calls him this son of yours. He is so mad he doesn't even recognize him as a brother. This, this older brother is furious. Now, the elder brother is represented by the religious leaders of that time, the Pharisees. And they did not like the fact that anybody could come to God besides them. And they thought anybody who wasn't a Jew was a sinner. Now, the, just like the older son of the younger son. Now, the older son says that he has been with the father for many years, and he had never had a celebration over him. Now, the Jews of that day believed they were entitled because of their heritage and the seeds or children of Abraham. But what they didn't understand was that only if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's seed. If we see in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, there, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. For it is grace, not race, that allows us to have eternal life with Christ Jesus. The younger brother was lost, he was not saved. And was dead in sin, but now he is alive for eternity with God and has been found, been saved. Now, did the younger son come to himself by himself? No, it took him saying, I don't need you, Father. Give me what I want to be on my own. And then he was sitting in that pig pen. God opened his eyes and made him realize that this is not the life you're meant to lead. He needed to repent to his father that he had sinned, and his father graciously ran to him to welcome him home. Now, I'm sure the modern version of that would be that the father was sitting on the porch and he just, he just do the dab and then run. But now, back then, they didn't do that. He just ran to him. That's such a great picture. Now, as most of you start your work week tomorrow, let's not choose to be either of the sons of this parable. We should choose to be like the father. Agape. Unconditional love. 
Now, that unconditional love in the workplace can be very peaceful to the inner warfare of the employee. Now, grace and mercy can also season the workplace and make it a little more humane. But it starts when you're at home. Whether it be around a dinner table talking about your day or grabbing something quick on the next practice or the next event. Or just simply spending time together. You bring them to church and we will help teaching God's grace, mercy and love while you are getting fed by the word too. Just one of the great reasons why church is so awesome. We all can learn about the power of Jesus. Now, we have so many people here who love teaching children about Jesus. That is one of the things I'm so thankful for here at Heartland. The, the love of the next generation is extraordinary. You know, Sarah and I don't have children yet, but I know there's more to it than just throwing fertilizer on them tell them to grow up. God told Sarah and I's parents that it was important to eat dinner around the dinner table whenever possible. Now, Sarah, Stephanie, and I have hopefully passed that down to Gavin as he's getting ready to leave the nest, so to speak. But our roots need to be strong in Christ so that we can bear the fruit that this world so desperately needs. Now, before I close... I have a, one of my favorite poems. It means a lot to me. I would like to read to you. It's, by, it's called The Oak Tree by Johnny Ray Ryder Jr. Then I'd like to pray for you guys before we go out this week. A mighty wind blew night and day. It stole the oak tree's leaves away. Then snapped its boughs and pulled its bark until the oak was tired and stark. But still the oak tree held its ground while other trees fell all around. The weary wind gave up and spoke. How can you still be standing, oak? The oak tree said, I know that you can break each branch of mine in two. Carry every leaf away, shake my limbs, and make me sway. But I have roots stretched in the earth, growing stronger since my birth. You'll never touch them, for you see, they are the deepest part of me. Until today, I wasn't sure of just how much I could endure. But now I've found, with thanks to you, I am stronger than I ever knew. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for blessing us with this day. And thank you for your grace and your mercy that, that you shower upon us when we repent of our sins. God, we thank you that for this week that we are about to go into. May we season our workplace and every relationship that we touch with grace and mercy so that we can show the love and the powerful and awesomeness that it is to serve you. God, if there's anybody in here today that, that needs prayers, please have them find an elder or deacon or minister and, and have them pray with them, God. We, we want everybody to be healthy spiritually, healthy in every way possible so that we can serve you more. And God, as we go out this week, may, us, may we shine bright for you and your son and, and tell the good news that it brings. And God, we thank you for this congregation and everybody in it that, that loves you and God Thank you for the world that we can go out to and spread the good news. It is in your son's powerful name that I pray and ask all these things. Amen.